particular deal I'm on and paying for. And uh, they'll run rings around the truth but never give you the truth. The fact is someone's told them to give me a hard time. And I'll be some old-school boy chum uh, with an old-school tie network from Ottawa who's put the word into the guy that's managing ExploreNet. And that's how things are really done in the world. Uh, you wouldn't believe the amount of intimidation people can put on other people through uh, this kind of thing. That's how most things are done. Nothing you could ever take them to court on. And they just try and say, well, you see, it, uh, it was a, a screw-up between this department and that department uh, and all that kind of stuff. Back with more after this break. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. I've talked so many times about reality and given some people different ways of viewing the same situations from different perspectives. It's all to do with perception. At the top, they call it perception management. And with perception management, they have a whole bunch of psychological techniques by which mainstream media, academia, which is very important in this, um, brainwash people basically, bringing you to a conclusions because we work very much like computers and we have our own program. We have what we think is, is, is called logic and we're given a language, just like computers. They have a particular computer language and they have a program. Not too long ago, only programmers could run computers and by sequencing words, for instance, along certain topics in a certain formula, by knowing your, your reasoning or your logic, they know what conclusions that you will come to. You can be guided to, to conclusions. The, the earliest uh, way this was done or shown to be done was in the, the dialogues of uh, Plato and other philosophers where they'd, they'd have fictitious talks with other people and start off on a certain topic and say, what do you think of this? The person would answer back into the, the usual perception on a particular area and then Plato would then lead them off into this, this dialogue of uh, logic and then bring the person step by step into his way of seeing things. Well, it's gone much, much further, of course. Now, even in those days, they understood the importance of language, how it's presented. They had professional orators in ancient times who would speak on behalf of the kings. And Rome had them too. I mentioned before uh, that when it came to the, uh, the great um, birth of what became Christianity in about 365 or so, or 325 A.D., Constantine didn't say a thing at the big global meeting they had, and it was global for that time and era. He had a professional orator who spoke for him. He sat there, and when the orator had finished, he'd sit down, and then up would come uh, the, the king, the Caesar, and he'd get the applause. To 
today, in fact, it's not much different today. Politicians really do the same thing because they have script writers who write all their scripts for them. All the big presenters do. Anything that's shown on television is done by script writers, and the person reads a script and takes applause for it himself. All he has to do is read it. In ancient times, people didn't have to read. Many kings and, and thought, so on thought it was beneath them to have an occupation, because only scribes had occupations uh, in that department. So it's come a much long, a further way through science and understanding human behavior and how we process information. Much of this was done and written about even in the 1700s when it came to the big, big movements for world revolution through the various societies that come to the fore in history. And they discussed ways of gaining recruits, how to, how to basically turn someone from their way of thinking. And even in spying, it's still called that today, you turn a spy uh, by using certain logic upon them. And it's the same with all of the population, really. If you are presented, especially in school, with uh, certain topics, it's presented in a certain way, in a formula of words, and you use your your average reasoning power is average, basically, You're using a language which are given again. And the guys use uh, this technique on all cultures. They go into the languages of all cultures, and they'll, the word, they'll often word things differently or put the, the sequencing of words differently for different cultures because they must make it match the program, the logic, and they will come to the desired conclusions. That's how everything is. Other simple tricks are simply to omit uh, another side of a story when presenting a topic, and you'll obviously come to the wrong conclusion. But in, in other words, it's the right conclusion by those who are teaching you, because that was the intent in the first place. So, so much is done by that technique. And, you know, people will get caught up in particular events Rightly so. Like, the, it's always brought up about the shooting of, of um, Kennedy, a public display of tremendous power, an execution, and the, the whitewash that's gone on afterwards. Even certain um, investigations were put under wraps for 50 years that can be re-signed for another 50 years uh, and not allowed for the public to even see or go over that's very, very common. So a lot of stuff is simply kept from the public. And while stuff is going to be kept from the public, how could you ever say that you know the truth? You, you can never know that. And you can't come to the established uh, temporary truth, the, the PC truth, because you, you still know that this stuff has been hidden, has been going to be hidden until you're dead. That's when the truth will come out. That's when the truth of the amalgamation of the, the, the European Union came out. It wasn't just an economic dance in a, in a parlay where folk uh, would do so, a little bit of economic business and lower taxation for import duties. It was literally designed to unite Europe under a parliament and a singular centralized government. Uh, there's a guy called Gozenko. Uh, Gozenko was a Soviet uh, spy and he worked at the Soviet embassy in Ottawa in Canada uh, during World War II and afterwards and he defected 
to Canada. He was the first major spy to come across. Uh, this freaked out uh, Mackenzie King, who was a prime minister, who uh, was still trying to do with the, the Uncle Joe Stalin. They called Joe Stalin, he was suddenly Uncle Joe for World War II, and then they went back to the big bad bear again, because we always need an enemy. But that he, Mackenzie said, leave him out there. Maybe, maybe the the KGB will pick him up and kidnap him and take him back home. He didn't want a, a furor here. Luckily, eventually, he was taken in by someone, and Gozenko uh, came out with a massive list of all the spies that were in communist spies that were in the Canadian government and the U.S. government and the bureaucracies. This was verified. They had their names, sexual persuasions, everything Everything was down there. And right into their contacts and so on. The, 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 the country was riddled with them. Riddled. And I think sometimes there were more communists in the Korean government than there were anything else. And I'm not far wrong either. And it was the same in most governments. A war had already been going on for a long time, and infiltration was all part of it. But it wasn't just here, it was in academia too. Because academia's job was to uh, recruit students into communistic causes. And that was done through professors who were all known by the establishment of who they were and what they're really up to in all the Western countries. But getting back to Gazenko, when Pierre Trudeau came into power because uh, you see a lot of this stuff was classified all the names and all the different people that Gazenko exposed uh, was put under wraps or for reasons of national security uh, a lot of important people obviously were named and very rich people too again these rich communists and when Pierre Trudeau came in uh, Pierre Trudeau of course came in as Prime Minister of Canada and no one mentioned in the, in the in mainstream media at all in any country uh, that um, he was the head of the Comintern, for, the, the Communist International for Canada, Pierre Trudeau. And he'd led the, the, deming, the delegations off. He was the head of the delegation for Canada to the Moscow meeting in 1952. So he was a communist came in under the guise of liberalism. Massive build-up in the press to make him a, a more youthful, a different type of... Uh, of politician and um, so when he was in power and up came uh, Gozenko's um, stuff ready to get released to the public because the time limit was up the very last thing that Pierre Trudeau did the very, on the very last day he was in power was to reclassify Gozenko's documentation for another 50 years and folk think they're living in a free society. They really do. We know nothing at the bottom. Nothing at all. All you can know at the bottom, through a lot of study, is that we are in a perpetual war. It was on the go long before we were born. Nothing is as it seems. Nothing at all is as it seems. And what often seems to be many different sides are all controlled by the one side at the top, above them. Always. That's what does come across. 
And when 9-11 happened, I knew this would start another thing like JFK. And people are still yelling on about it. Yes, they want the truth. But you see, the beautiful thing about a conspiracy is that those who are involved don't have to come out and tell you. And the only thing that would, that would make you happy is, is for them to say, yep, we did it. And they'll never come out and do that. Or if the stuff is declassified, it'll be long, long, long after those people are all dead. Long after. And other things have happened, and you're already in a global government, and no one will care. It's quite a world, as I say, but nothing's done on the up and up, in the open. Whatever we talk about, in fact, is given to us to talk about through media. Now continue on this line of thinking when I come back from this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Talking about the, the real world and how we're kept in the dark all the time. And uh, history is nothing but conspiracies. If you think about it too, even the American Revolution was obviously planned in advance, kept secret. It took many years to build up, even for munitions alone, to start a revolution. And it did take that 20 odd years they were supplying and storing stuff and sneaking stuff into the United States to or the Americas as it was called at that time so it was a conspiracy obviously and rebellions revolutions are always done by conspiracy otherwise you'd be wiped out before you got started by those in power but the world is run by conspiracy academia itself by its very nature is very secretive. They live on grants from very powerful people and from the governments. Governments are always have political agendas. And so do very rich people too and foundations that fund them. When you look at how communism was run, I should say is run because it never really went away. It simply merged with the West as it was designed to do for the next part of the New World Order. It's the same uh, arrangement, it's the same um, organization, organizational abilities, the, the creation of cliques, if you like, specialized cliques that do specialized things, and especially in academia. Academia was the first place that was penetrated, and it was government and government agencies, secondly. Because to get recruits, you have to be some, teach something to young people who are idealistic, and you give them the ideal to fight for a cause. Very old technique. Very, very old technique. And certain professors, always, always renowned professors in their field, were the ones who did the recruiting for the Communist Party. After the, the Berlin Wall went down and the next phase was implemented, and people should read Margolis's, Eric Margolis's write-up, I think it was in the Toronto Sun at the time, on the speech given by Gorbachev before um, communism said it didn't exist anymore. 
And he told the, the, the Politburo, he says, shortly you will hear that communism is dead. Don't believe it. And he goes on to explain that they're moving into the next transitional phase. Because communism was set up to go through phases. And part of it was to bring in the Marxian structure of regions in the world through leagues or treaties, through a system, a united world system. The New York uh, residents of the United Nations, donated by Rockefeller and the foundation, um, and the place that was put on was insisted upon by the Russians, the Soviets. Why New York? Why not somewhere in Europe? But the Soviets demanded. Well, the reason was they had so many spies and party members carrying party members based in New York was one of the main reasons and a lot of the controllers that came in to handle all their operatives and go around the universities and meet with the university professors who were also on the payroll too um, it, it cut out an awful lot of time when they were already based in the United Nations And the reason I'm talking about this is because when you see how academia has always been involved on this plan of change, you see, a plan of change, then you can understand why academia is used and has been used for years to promote and start off the whole greeting concept, part of a religion that Gorbachev called it himself, a religion based on a form of earth worship. What they meant was an, an economical system with uh, a kind of religious overtones. And obviously a new priesthood, a high priesthood of scientists that would come from academia. Therefore, all of academia would be on board. And what you do with a world, when you bring in a world together, you centralize portions of it, just like the East Anglia University was the main university for all the other universities across the world to get their data from. You centralize information on each aspect of your world control. That's why the United Nations, for instance, has specialized centers across the world, specialized centers in different places. And that way you can, you can always be in charge of what's being taught in universities. Every university in America and Canada gets the same grants from the same foundations. And along with those grants comes a, a list of things they appreciate to be taught, which means you will teach them. And they also have suggestions on what not to teach or what to discourage. And lots of political correctness and so on and so on. Because everyone's getting prepared for this wonderful, it's not going to be wonderful at all, this world's uh, governmental system. And because now we're seeing, again, the Sovietization, the real head behind it, the real mentality and plan behind it rise to the top. Where it will take no um, contradiction or, or contrary views on anything. It will not even tolerate them. Especially when it comes down to opposing sciences on the same data. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 
thing through the matrix. Talking about perception and reality and how big societies operate, those that run the world, and they run together because everything depends in this system on money and economics. If you control economics and money, you control the, the entire system. It doesn't matter what parties think at the bottom, they're fighting each other. You can think all they want and play the games all they want, but they're all ruled by the same system at the top. And nothing is ever as it seems. You'll find, you'll find that if you, you studied the, the theories of Marxism and a lot of the low-level recruits who really didn't count very much um, were from the ordinary working class, but they might become members and, and, and help organize, but uh, they, they had no idea of the very rich people some of the richest people involved in the Communist Party who were directing it. None at all. Uh, even some um, of their own bankers were high-level members in the party and other parties of other things across the world. A lot of this stuff now is declassified since the wall came down and it's okay to tell us now. Not that anyone really cares but even Victor Rothschild was a member of the Communist Party, which he joined at Cambridge University just before World War II. He then did a stint in banking with his family. Uh, he was also a leading member of the Zionist Association. So he's a, he's a world banker and a communist and a Zionist. Uh, who admits himself in this own, this own book by Perry, it's called The Fifth Man, very well worth reading, uh, that uh, he, he had a bigger intelligence network at his fingertips than the British government had. And that was true. But this guy uh, worked his way up through the British military in World War II to be head of all security. And he was passing you know, all the data on radar and even the early attempts at atomic warfare, weaponry. He was passing it all on directly to the Kremlin. And he was running four other spies beneath him that all eventually defected to Russia. These were made famous in the 60s. And after the, the war, Peter Wright tried to mention this in his own book. It's called Spy Catcher. Uh, because he mentioned that all these top spies lived with uh, the Rothschild family. They'd all tra uh, traveled with Rothschild during the war when he went to, to France after the end of the war. And uh, Rothschild was a main guy. Why would a world banker uh, be also uh, one of the top guys running communism? I know the story. I know the reasons. You should read the book and figure them out yourself because the author won't figure it out for you. So as I say, nothing's as it seems. And why am I talking about this? It's because it's the same thing that's going on right now with the centralization of information, like the East Anglia University, the one university that all the world supposedly is getting its data from to do with global warming, all the fudged stuff. Centralization once again. And... Just like 9-11, they'll never come out and tell you why it happened or who did it. It doesn't matter how much evidence that you have. It doesn't matter about your evidence. It's 
what they wanted to achieve from 9-11 that was important. And I knew that at the time. That's why I didn't get stuck on it. Because it's an ongoing war, you see. And you, we saw immediately the changes of losing all rights and freedoms. We saw the same draconian laws placed across the world at the same time, which was impossible without it being organized that way long in advance amongst governments. So it's always who benefits? What did they achieve? Well, we see what was achieved. And closer and closer to world government. In fact, in Canada, the, uh, well, in one article it was, it was entitled in the newspapers, Fortress America, um, they said that would be one of the reasons for integrating the U.S. and Canada faster, faster than even the original NAFTA deal, was for security and economic reasons. And that's why they always say, at this, it comes from foreign relations, we can use this disaster or this tragedy or whatever, that we can use this to our own advantage. Because it's planned that way. They need these things to happen to make things happen. And it's the same thing with the climate gate. They centralized information from trusted, pure party members, funded them to the hilt with millions of dollars, given the, the, the build-up through all the major science journals so all the scientists know this is, these are the guys that you look to for all your information. These are the leaders. So the, the journalistic write-ups make the guy the leaders. And everyone who follows in that line knows to follow them and they make it grants too. But don't contradict them whatever you do or you're out. And they do all kinds of dirty tricks to give, get the message across to you. They, they give you little trivial, trivial warnings, little hassles and things until you're back in line. That's how they do it. Until you're back in line. Here's an example from Australia on another aspect of the, the global warming farce. And as I said, too, don't get stuck on the global warming thing. The Copenhagen deal is a done deal. Already, we're already implementing the whole darn thing before they go through this formality of signing it publicly. So don't get hung up at this. This is an ongoing war, as 9-11 was too. And it's not hard to see that its purpose is to now bring the United Nations up to its proper position, as they say, to global government or governance. But here's an article here to show you how they treat people who are not quite on board or they don't quite get the message in all the journals that are printed and they come up with uh, a different part in, in the theories. And this is to do with the e economic theory of carbon trading and emissions. So this is an economist, the CSIRO economist. This is a climate expert, Clive Spash, was heavied by CSIRO management. You're dealing with all this trading in carbon and so on. It says... Uh, an economist whose research criticizing emissions trading schemes was banned from publication. And he said last night he'd been subjected to harassment by the senior agency management. Same as the guys who were within uh, the global warming scam who, who didn't quite go along with them. You see, they couldn't get the stuff uh, published in the peer-reviewed journals. That's how they get you out. You just can't get anything published if you're not on board with them. Clive Spash also accused the agency of hindering public debate. Of course. 
and trampling on his civil liberties by preventing the research being published in British journal New Political Economy. That's the name of the journal, New Political Economy. Dr. Spash defended the paper, The Brave New World of Carbon Trading, saying it was a dispassionate analysis of ETS policies and was not politically partisan. He was told in February he could, he could publish the work if it were peer-reviewed, but in July, CSIRO management said it could not be published after it was cleared for publication. They still refused to, to publish it even if it was peer-reviewed. This month, he was informed he could not publish it even in his private capacity. See how far they can go. <laughs> because it was politically sensitive. That's what they said, politically sensitive. Within 24 hours, he also received a letter outlining a list of trivial instances in which he was accused of breaching CSRIRO policy. For example, not completing a leave form properly. Little trivial stuff like that. You know how they get you? You didn't finish this form or finish that or sign off properly, you see. Dr. Spice said he believed the letter was intended to and did intimidate him and denied him due process. None of the matters were raised with him prior to the letter being sent and each of the alleged misdemeanors could be explained. He says, we're not members of the Defense Department. We're scientists who are supposed to be discussing research in an open forum. How do you advance knowledge if you stop people from publishing their work? I'm totally happy to have my work criticized and debated, but I'm not happy to have it suppressed. Dr. Spash said it was impossible to publish research in his field that did not have an impact on government policy. See, that's why they didn't want it published. They don't want the public to know what's coming down the pike and what's going to hit them with this Copenhagen deal. It is the idea that you cannot discuss something like ETS policy when you're working on climate change as a political economist seems ridiculous, he said. The gagging of Dr. Spatch's work is embarrassing for Science Minister Kim Carr, as the politician in charge of the country, uh, who defended academic freedoms in opposition and last year trumpeted a new CSIRO charter he said would give scientists the right to speak publicly about their findings. And now, because it's been brought up to the, 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 the political realm, uh, CSIRO responded for the first time and says, there is some important science in the paper, and we will work with Dr. Spash to ensure the paper meets CSIRO internal review standards and the guidelines of the Public Research Agency Charter between CSIRO and the federal government, she said. So you think it's easy to get stuff published? When you're working for any particular agency that's getting grants from big foundations and these foundations have big think tanks working with governments. No. So we don't have a free society. We never ever did have a free society. Never. And it's not going to become free now. It's interesting that George Orwell, in his book 1984, uh, two or three times, I think, he, he brought up the fact of the proletariat, the proles, they called them, the, or the masses, the people. And whenever he brought it up, uh, the bureaucratic class that he worked for, the, the main character, Winston, worked for, it says, the proles, the proles don't count. They're talking about the ordinary folk. The, fo- the ordinary folk truly don't count. 
once you get into academia and above, the ordinary folk don't count at all. The ordinary folk will believe whatever they're told to believe. And they have no organization within them to fight for anything. I mean real organization. They don't have it. In fact, the proles, you might say, have something that's that we've seen in, in other times in history, we, along the present times too, you have a multitude, a multitude of, for instance, of, say, Christian splinter groups into so many denominations because they fall out on trivialities. They cannot stay together. But a little power uh, struggles going on and so on. So we get splinter groups going on until you have hundreds of different associations. It's the same with anything to do with civic society and causes. They can't work together to save themselves. Even if it means saving themselves, they can't do it, you see. I can remember meeting a communist organizer and he said he was giving a talk in Canada and, and it's a weird situation I got into I, I'd sung a gig at a place I was asked to sing and somehow I ended up in a room full of these people who were all active and the band the bombs and so on and I just went back for the coffee and the, and the usual chat with the other artists but every, everybody was in on something except me and this guy came in from Moscow and he was an English guy who lived in California and he says this is the time when we must all network together he says we're going to network with the, with the lesbians the homosexuals uh, the, the Sikh groups uh, the Marxist groups the, the Trotskyite groups all the different groups that had beefs and all the ethnic groups bring them all together and make them all turn up at the same rallies at the same time even if it's not particularly for their particular cause that's what the communists had going for them the fact they could bring all these other groups that are, that are off on their own thing, doing their own thing bring them together and make a massive show of it and that's what everyone else lacks you see that's what everyone else lacks and another thing too in this real world in this real world if anyone was to come along and try to do that very thing and it had the ability the organizational ability the oratory who could, who could stand between different groups competing even op opposing groups that, that would fight each other in the streets bring them in a common cause the present power elites would have them bumped off so quickly so quickly uh, that you'd, you'd find it hard to remember their name that's the real world so here's one guy as I say one uh, ec economist working on carbon who can't get his stuff published in peer review papers because obviously he's saying something that they don't want the public to know and yet these, these peer reviewed papers go in the peer reviewed magazines which are sold on the shelves but they don't so what we're told is only what's politically correct and not what the truth is in any of these top science papers or magazines and it's the same with everything as I said before Pierre Trudeau 
was the head of the International Communism Party, Comintern, they called it, in 1952. He led the delegation for Canada to the Soviet Union, and that later he became the Prime Minister. And one, not one newspaper in the U.S. or Canada mentioned that fact. They all knew it. They all knew it. Left wing, right wing, so on. They all knew it. But nobody printed that because the proles don't count, you see. The people at the bottom don't count. They don't even have a look in to reality. That's how it is. That's how it really, really is. And it's no different than when the harassments I have had I've had the harassments. Even when I started off, I couldn't figure out for the life of me what I'd said on radio to warrants being uh, watched outside by these SUVs or these, 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 tr- these four-wheel drive trucks, black ones with the black windows that would be outside my house every day. Or they'd come down the road in the middle of the night when I was walking the dog, switching off their lights and just parking 20 feet from me and no one get in out. And ten minutes later, they'd reverse the whole way back, the whole way, half a mile, onto the main road, and turn their lights on again. Night after night. Intimidation. Try to scare you off. And even worse happened. That's the real world that we live in. Now to explore Nick, cutting me off as well. So I can't get this stuff out to you. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. People think that we're in a labyrinth at times. It's more than a labyrinth. You're in a maze. The only way you can see where you're going is if you're above the maze to find your way out of it. And each time you turn left or right or north or south, you think you're on the right path. Then you hit another dead end. That's how the whole thing is set up at the top. That's how it's set up. Because the dialectic runs everything. There's no doubt about it. And even systems and supposed sciences are created like the science. They call it the science, or I call it the belief system of Marxism or communism or even Trotskyite version of the same thing. Because these guys worked heavily with the guys who ran the world banks. Why would top world bankers be funding a system which technically by theory was supposed to eradicate them, especially them, the so-called capitalists? It tells you the whole thing was bogus, but a good belief system was created to get followers to work towards it with ideology being presented to them from university on. Once again, it was a university class, and often the Ivy Ivy League classes, mainly so, in fact. There's a movie, it was called, in Britain, it was called um, Deep Cover, and I think in the American version they call it Blade on a Feather. Uh, It's well worth seeing. Because there's so much 
Truth in that movie, put out by a guy called Potter, who's dead now. And he had lots of connections to MI5 and 6. And that's where he got his information. But so much truth in there, because uh, at the end, towards the end, this professor who was recruiting at Cambridge, he said, do you want to know why? Uh, he, says, he says, you know, why these guys joined communism at university as, student, as students? They joined what they called the Apostles. And that was their Masonic fraternity. I think it was the circle they called the one at Oxford. Uh, and he says, you know, all the spies, the top ones, and he mentions all the ones that Rothschild worked for, but he doesn't mention Rothschild himself. And actually, Rothschild ruled at random. Uh, he says, they all came from my class, he says, meaning the upper class. And that is true. With Philby, McLean, Burgess, Blake. They all came from the upper classes. See, the proles don't count. The proles don't count. We get little spy stories and movies and James Bond. That's what we get at the bottom. I just thought it was so odd that something that was going to take over the world was hardly taught in the Western countries to show us the dangers of it. Most schools never mentioned it at all during the whole Cold War. Why? Why? From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.